Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversation. Today's guest is Ali Billick is the Managing Director of Freudenberg Ceiling Technologies, also known as FST. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Thank you, John. Great to be here. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about FST and, uh, and your role um, as Managing Director here in Australia? And yeah, tell us about the organisation and what you do in your job. Absolutely. Um, 
So Freudenberg Ceiling Technologies is a organization that uh, specializes in ceiling technology. So O-rings, um, seals and gaskets, and uh, it's a product that we find in our everyday lives, um, but we don't uh, give it much thought unless we're having a, a bad day with a seal. Um, the, um, the organization was founded uh, in Germany in 1860 and has, has grown to the global powerhouse and, and sealing technology leader that it is today. My role with Freudenberg Sealing Technology is, um, as you mentioned before, managing director and I'm responsible for the, um, the Australian division. Um, so the operations here, so our warehouses around the nation and, uh, and our staff around the country. Uh, we service uh, basically uh, a myriad of industries and, and market segments, everything from um, food and beverage and agriculture all the way through to, to mining, chemical and, uh, and everything in between. So there's your uh, pharmaceutical, there's uh, water handling and you name it. It's a very, very diverse industry. Um, you know, while seals themselves might not be very exciting, definitely the, the industries we deal with, the customers we deal with, um, and the people we work with uh, keep it uh, very, very rewarding. Yeah, incredible. Thank you so much for, for sharing a bit about FST and about what you do um, in your role. Wonderful. Uh, let's jump into your story, Charlie. I'd love to start with your childhood and growing up. As you look back, what are some of the moments or even themes from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? Look, I'd have to say it's... Um... You know, my, my first memories of, um, you know, leadership and wanting to be um, somebody that can make a difference would, would have to stem back to, to primary school. Um, this was, uh, you know, growing up, something I, I always thought, um, you know, shaping the direction, working with people, understanding where they're, they're coming from and, you um, what fulfills them has always been something that, that I found quite inspiring. And it started in the playground pretty much when you start to look at, you know, what, what kids were doing in their free time that motivated them. And it was team sports like soccer, you know, it was playing marbles, it was playing cricket um, and these sort of things. And it, yeah, from a young age, I've always been fascinated by what motivated and drives people. And that sort of is, is where it all sparked for me. It's amazing how often sports comes up. Um, you mentioned sport. What, what were the biggest lessons you learned about from playing sport? Yeah, I think um, sport really identifies um, with a lot of people. It's, um, it's obviously an activity that, that people enjoy, people partake in. You know, some, some sports are solo sports, some are team sports. Um, but they're, I think they're both... Um, they both drive us to to be our best and and challenge ourselves, and I think um, I think that's intrinsically who we are. We want to be challenged. Um, we want to make a contribution, and um, yeah, I think that's that's something that 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 binds us together. And with sport, um, is reflected in our in our day to day, um, whether it be in our work lives, our private mm -hmm. lives, um, and I and I guess you know the fitness obviously that comes with that is an added bonus, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, there's something about sport that, um, and I feel like it is a bit of a parallel for leadership. I try to uh, stay fit by myself. I'm doing a bit of cycling, but I'm a, I'm a soccer. That's my number one sport. I, I love playing a lot of cricket and I follow a lot of sport. But uh, the, the sport that I love the most is soccer. And it's funny how the effort involved for me to get fit and I say get fit right now because I wouldn't necessarily say I'm super fit right now. To get fit, cycling or running is is massive. But as soon as I'm part of a soccer team and you know you've got a game coming on the weekend, then you're on the field. It's amazing how 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 far I can push myself way beyond what I would normally do. As soon as there's a game on the line or I've got people rolling. Um, and I feel like it's a bit the same in leadership. You know, it's one thing to push yourself to but it's when you're part of a great team and um and suddenly you've got people relying on you or you know you're a leader and you want to build a high performance team i feel like it, you can yourself much further one great team or leading a great team than you on your own 
Oh, look, absolutely. And, um, and I think, you know, that's, that's inherently our, our nature, right? We, we never want to be the, the one to, to let somebody down or, or let the team down. So we do push ourselves a, a little bit harder. And, um, and I think it's, it's that energy and that drive um, that, that builds successful teams, particularly when the, the mix is just right. You, you, you get this, I've found um, in my career, you, you find this cumulative mass, if you like, of, of energetic people that, you know, all want to support each other. And when that comes together, I think that's, that's very powerful. And, um, you know, f for me, that's always been an interesting topic um, because leadership is obviously about giving people direction and, and motivating people. But um, yeah. there's, there's a certain motivation and, and drive that comes from people that also greatly supports mm. and influences your leadership style. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think um, uh, I think it's a, a very interesting dynamic, like I say, a, a subject I've been passionate about for a, for a long time. Yeah. Building a team and, and leading and managing people, it's funny because – we talk about it and I feel like sometimes people can be like, yeah, but, you know, let's just get in and do the work. And it's only when you're part of the team really struggling that is like function and it makes it hard to even come to work you know, when you're part of a team like that or at or I say, and you get an opportunity to lead a team or to be part of a team that's like a well-oiled machine and that truly builds that momentum until you almost feel like it's unstoppable because you're just you have this momentum and this level of performance like a real championship winning sort of um team and and then it's 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 really one of the best to be part of a team like that honestly if you once you lead a team like that or you're part of a team like that you realize this is and that's really why i'm so passionate about what i do it's such a wonderful um experience particularly when to a team that's really struggling or that's full of dysfunction which can be so energy and life sapping um it's, it's one of the best things in life i think to be part of or to lead a team that's really high performance look uh i couldn't agree more and um and i think you know there's there's as you as you'd be aware there's many factors that influence teams and, and how people work together um, I think one of one of my favourite goes to is uh, is a TED talk by by Dan Pink, and if you know if if you haven't haven't seen it, I'd, I'd highly recommend um, you know looking it up. It's it's online, and it, it talks about what motivates people, and the three factors he talks about are uh, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and um, and I think you know when when you look at it in that light and you understand what, what drives people and how people work, even when you have, you know, a team that, that you were referring to that isn't working as well as, as they could be together or, or so on. I mean, obviously process and systems and, and, and those things come into it, but helping people identify with their role in the team or the contribution they can make in that team, I think is, is valuable because I think once people have that, that purpose, um, they can approach it quite differently and they, you know, they walk taller, they, they can see the, the contribution that they make and, and that they're relied upon for. Um, so I think that's a, a big part of it. And I think in teams and in business in general, you know, we have roles that we, we often need to play and roles that we need to fill in organizations. But I think, if we approach it from the point of view that those roles are positions or position descriptions we need to fill and tick a box, um, we, we're leaving ourselves short of really uncovering um, some, some great potential because I think even though the role is there and their criteria in that role that we need to meet, every, everybody that comes to that role, if you have three or four different people, they will all approach that role differently and bring something different to it. They can um, probably all successfully fill that role but the way they do that and the the dynamics within the team all change with different people so i think it's important to understand what motivates people you know how um how they integrate with the team and the roles they play um contribute to their their satisfaction and of course happier people work differently to to people that are unhappy 
I mean, a most recent example is um, I know of someone that um, joined a team in, in one capacity and the role had some defined, um, I, I guess, requirements, if you like. But talking to this person about what their passions were, the, the role was be, was able to be expanded to include some of that. And that gave them a whole different approach to the role and the job that it might have otherwise had. So I think keeping an open mind about what motivates people um, is is key because let's face it, I mean, we, we, uh, we all have to do certain things um, uh, mm. on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of, you know, commitments with family, with households, with work. Um, and work's a big part of that, so we, we may as well enjoy it. And um, and I think as leaders, it's it's important to recognise that in people, so that you know people are happy, they enjoy coming to work, and that in turn, um, you know, I, I believe produces you know high performing teams. Yeah, I agree, and I love that you mentioned Dan Pink. I I'm a big fan of uh, of his work. Um, is that are those ideas is his book called drive is that the one i'm thinking of where he talks about the uh i'm just uh, doing a quick sneaky google while we're chatting but um i think i think it might be yeah the, the surprising truth about what motivates us i love what he says about um autonomy mastery and purpose uh, i'm a yeah I'm, I'm a really big fan of those ideas actually how have you been able to use them I know there'd be a lot of people listening who might have come across that, or I would double what Charlie said about going and watching that TED talk. It's it's genius and so helpful. How have you been able to put that into practice? Any any um, advice on how you've been able to use those three specifically: autonomy, mastery, and purpose to to understand more how how your people are motivated? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think um, you know it it almost comes full circle in, in terms of, you know, how people define then, then leadership. Um, you know, I take a view that as, as a leader, you know, I, I need to support, I need to guide, I need to give direction, I need to give structure. Um, but that's kind of where, where I think, um, you know, it, it stops for me. There are some leaders that, you know, take a much more, um, I guess, direct approach and, and manage on a, on a much deeper level, um, I prefer, um, as as you say, you know, to to practice the autonomy, mastery, and purpose um, methods, which means I I don't micromanage. Um, again, I provide direction, structure, and and um, and guidance, and uh, and of course support. You know, there's there's nothing more rewarding than working with people, and um, and seeing them shine and and them do well. But ultimately, those those motivating factors of autonomy, mastery, and purpose really play their role. And you know, if we break it down on the autonomy side, you know, um, as 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 Dan talks about, as individuals, we all want um, an element of freedom, an element of um, space or or, or or latitude to um, bring something of ourselves to our role. Um, to take control of some elements of what we do. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean we want to work alone, but we also don't want to be micromanaged as, as people. We, we, as human beings, I believe we're reasonably free spirits. And, and I think offering people that in their roles is important so that they can make something of the role um, that, that is theirs, that they own, that they, they contribute. So I'm, I'm big for, you know, identifying the requirements we have of a role or the outcomes or deliverables that we we need and we look for but um, I really encourage the autonomy bit letting people bring ownership letting people bring something of themselves to that role um, to to make it their own and I think that yeah. versatility and that um, freedom is is quite engaging and I, I think the the autonomy then helps them find um, you know, um, or lets them build on that, that mastery. So, you know, you end up with people winding up outside their, their doors because now these people feel like I've been able to bring something of myself to this role. I will give my best. And with that, um, you know, people see the energy, people are drawn to that and it, it gives them an ability to share their expertise, to, um, to share knowledge, to share wisdom. And, um, 
And I think that also is quite empowering for people when they then realize that, hang on, I have the freedom to do this and I also have the power, I have the knowledge to, to build on that and bring something bigger and better. And, and by definition, I think the combination of those two then culminates in the purpose and that gives somebody purpose. I mean, we, we all wanna contribute, we all wanna be part of something bigger. Um, I mean, as Dan Ping talks about, you know, uses Wikipedia's example, um, that you know we all contribute willingly for free to build something that we all all share in and um yeah for me that, that's how the three come together i mean we could we could talk all day about this but um i think that's a you know, pretty much a summary uh from my side uh, i'm so happy you brought that up because if there's any any yeah it's definitely one of the favorite one of my favorite concepts i've come across in the past few years and i think um there'll be a lot of listeners who maybe right now that's what I love about podcasts. You know, they might be jogging along the river or they're on the train on the way to work. And this has been the thing like, Oh, I need to work out how to understand my people better. And, and they'll go and watch that TED talk. I'm so happy you brought that up, Charlie. Um, let's jump into your story. I, I want to ask you about the first time as a leader, you really were in the deep end or you felt new ground or that, that sensation of, Oh, I'm really, out of my depth here or being stretched. Do you remember what comes to mind about that first opportunity that really sort of um, stretched you as, as a leader? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I think it, you know, it was in my my much younger days. Um, I remember working in, uh, in an organisation and in an industry that was, um, you know, um, in, the, in the steel industry that was... Um, you know, very new to me at the time. It was a position where um, I guess I'd come from, um, you know, a position of, of working on the tools, as, as you might say, um, to a uh, position where I had some responsibility and I had to take, you know, um, I had to take people on a, on a journey, so to speak. And, um, you know, I'd, I thought I'd watched people do it before, but um, I was also expecting, I guess, um, uh, a different level of interaction with some of the people I'd been working working with because one minute you know we're, for want of a better term I was one of the boys and you know we're all working in the factory together and the next minute now I'm responsible for some of these outcomes and I had to take a, a different um, different position and um, I assumed at a young naive age that you know with the position would come um, some um, if you like, um, some authority, um, and you know things would just work. But um, it became very quick, became clear very quickly that that's not how it worked. And um, you know, I think there, there's a couple of factors in there. Um, firstly, um, you know, I think um, responsibility and authority are, are two very different things. And then um, authority also has its its limits. Um, and that depends on where in the world you come from, because there's there's a concept I since learnt about, which talks about power distance, which um, uh, I think is something that needs to be understood as part of leadership when you when you're faced with situations like that. Um, so, for example, um, I grew up in in southern Africa, and in um, both in southern Africa and also in in parts of uh, or most of Europe. Um, there's what's known as a high power distance between um, between roles and between people, um, meaning the hierarchies are much more pronounced. Um, as an example, you know, in Europe, um, you wouldn't necessarily call some of your colleagues by their first name. You'd address them as Mr. or Mrs. and their and their last name. In in Australia, um, there's a, a low power distance. You might uh, you might say um, with a, a very flat structure rather than hierarchical structures in organizations and we tend to be more informal we we call each other by um by our first names um even from first meetings um and i'm not saying either is right wrong they're just simply different and i think having understanding that difference um helps you understand how you approach um some of these situations so it became too, very clear to me that you know um in these different environments you have to change your approach and at the heart of it, at the end of the day, are people, and it's about respect, and it's about, you know, communication. It's about, um, again, understanding 
every individual's motive, motives and then understanding how they're part of the, the big picture. And I think once you, once you can get your head around a lot of those things um, and communicate and articulate that to the people you're working with and um, or the teams you're, you're leading, um, it, it takes on a different dynamic. And um, yeah, that was, that was a lesson I, I learned and I, I reflect on often. <laughs> yeah, I really, uh, I loved that. I chuckled myself when you talked about that naivety um, about things not changing. And I thought, oh, that's exactly I was like when I stepped into I think um, I think some of the things I assumed would be really hard uh, were like about doing some of the work in that role, like really easy. And some of the dynamics of dealing with people and the changes in some of those relationships completely caught me by surprise. Um, now that you're well and truly on the, on the other side of that, you've learned a lot. What advice would you give to a young leader who might be listening, who is going for a promotion or might just be new in a role where they're leading people who were their peers? Yeah. Uh, what, what advice would you give them about, you know, what would you do differently if you're in their shoes? Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's the, the key, I think, is is really something you can never find in a, in a textbook. Um, I think it, it comes from what you might call soft skills. And the biggest soft skill, I think, is empathy. I think, um, you know, always look at your teams, look at um, you know, the people in your teams, know those people, listen to them, understand them. Um, because again, everybody's motivated by different things. And, and as we know, we all have, you know, home lives and, and outside influences that sometimes can impact, you know, um, in, in our work lives. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing is, is empathy, understand people, understand where they're coming from, work with them. Um, you know, people will will react in different ways to different things you ask of them, and um, and you know, if you if you assume you know what's what's driving that, that's that's a big mistake. So um, for me, it's yeah, it's be empathetic, be understanding, um, yeah, get to know your team, work with them, um, and don't mistake responsibility for authority. Yeah, great thoughts. Uh as you've, uh, you know, in your career so far, Charlie, as you've learned a lot since then, like you said, who have been some of the mentors? Who have been some of the people along the way you've you've uh, watched closely or who have um, really spoken into your life and influenced you as a leader? Yeah, look, I, I think um, one of the, the greatest influences would, would have to be, um, you know, a CEO I worked with for, um, for 10 odd years, um, and, um, you know, this, this organization I, I was with was very driven, um, very motivated, very um, innovative in, in, in the market that they're in. And the reason I think it was so influential was because they, you know, they, they practiced in, in many ways the essence of, again, what Dan Pink's talks, talks about, that autonomy, mastery and purpose. And, you know, the way they did that um, was basically by by giving people direction, but also by giving them them freedoms. And they they had a basic rule, and that was that, you know, um, we should push the boundaries. We um, we should always um, strive for our best. And if we fail, that's okay. The only thing that we need need to come come away with is some learnings from that failure. And it was that permission to fail. I think that sort of culminated in all the things that we've we've spoken about today. You know, it's the the autonomy, the mastery, the purpose, the empathy, the understanding of people, and and what motivates them. You know, it really um, empowered me um, to, uh, to to take my career to the next next level, and really gave me that clarity and, and confidence to do so. And um, and also, I guess by nature, I've always been um, a person that would take ownership and take responsibility of tasks and activities and being in an environment where that was, um, I guess, encouraged, where that sort of wasn't stifled was, um, yeah, that was, was uh, very confidence building and that, that really helped me, me mm. grow as a, as a, as a person and, and, and also as a professional. Yeah. Incredible. 
Um, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, what about aha moments? Since that time, you mentioned that uh, walking into that role, and, and I love how you also said that first role, that um, how much you learned from it and, and really grew as a leader. But um, more recently, can you think of any aha moments where the penny has really dropped for you? You made a mistake and it stuck with you. Someone gave you a piece of advice that uh, that proved to be completely true or completely incorrect or just something else where there was a moment and you think, yeah, something really shifted there. Yeah, look, I, I don't know if I'd call it an aha moment, but it's, it's definitely um, advice that, often resonates and, and I reflect on and, um, you know, I, I think is, is something that, um, yeah, it's just proven to be true over and over again. And for me, that is, a, again, a, advice I got from from someone that I, I looked up to that I worked with closely for a long time and, um, you know, a mentor that was, was guiding me through, for example, um, you know, uh, my leadership journey and, and particularly when it came to um, recruitment and um, you know um, that whole that whole process and the advice he gave me was um, you know hire good people um, now I believe everybody's a good person um, you know I've got no reason to um, to believe otherwise but basically what it comes down to is you know having the um, having the insights, having the conversations to understand people's approach to, um, you know, again, what motivates them, what drives them. Because when you, when you understand these things, um, you can work with people in a way that um, you, you can fulfill their needs as well as the, the needs of the, the role. And, um, you know, you, by working with pe people in that way, I find that you get, you never get the response to say, that's not my job or no, I won't do that. Or I can't do that. Um, the, the responses are very different. It's always, oh, I will, I will try. What can I do to help? And, um, you know, so even though, you know, hire good people is, um, is something that sounds um, very um, straightforward at the end of the day, it's all about identifying how to work with people and bring out the best or bring out the good in people, if you like. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's a really good thought. Um, and I think you can, like you said, is, is what can you do as a leader to bring out the best in people? I think that's always a great filter to ask. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for sharing that, Charlie. Okay, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. And, and the first one I want to ask is, what's a book that you've gifted to other people a lot or recommended a lot to other people? Um, oh, look, I think it would have to be um, um, a, a book by... Um, I think it's um, Sarah Elderman. It's um, it's actually a, a self-development um, uh, book. Um, it's called Change Your Thinking, and it's you know it 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 really looks at how um, you know we as human beings talk to ourselves and look at ourselves. And um, while it it can be used to, uh, well, I believe it's even intended to use be used to support anxiety and and some of those topics. I think it really um, also talks to how we look at ourselves and how we see ourselves and, and potentially how we can limit ourselves or our thinking by, um, by the voices and the language we, we use. And I think if we, um, if we understand that part of how we operate as human beings, we can also help build our confidence. We can, we can find greater meaning in a lot of the things that we're doing. So, um, yeah, as a, as a leader, I think, you know, I, I also enjoy um, um, mm. you know, goal setting and, and um, self-development and some of those topics. And I think that that's been one that I think has, has resonated with, with me in a professional um, uh, landscape that I've, I've, I've found a lot of people have found benefit from. Great answer. Uh, uh, what about one-on-one -on -one meetings? 
advice would you give or any tips to run an effective one-on-one -on -one meeting? Um, I think one-on-one -on -one meetings generally um, should be cordial. I mean, they should be um, probably a little bit more relaxed than you might have in a, in a, in a formal environment. Um, most importantly, I think they should be um, direct. They should be transparent. Um, uh, because I think clear communication is, is key and particularly when you're in one-on-one -on -one meetings, um, the, the tone is different to a, 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 um, a room full of people where um, information is probably being um, shared more openly. One-on-one -on -one meetings, I think, should be more personable. They should be uh, more engaging and more, um, um, more relevant, I guess, to the people in the room. Uh, what about, um, interested to know your thoughts on how to have difficult conversations with someone and, and when to know, like, how do you know when you need thoughts about, you know, I, I know it, about um, for leaders out there about, you know, this idea of performance management, difficult conversations. When do you, when do you fire someone and what have you learned in that area? Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's got to be the, the least favorite part of, of anybody's job, right, is having difficult conversations. Um, and I think the art is, is, is learning to have them. Um, first and foremost, jumping on top of issues or addressing issues as they come up, I think is vital because the longer, um, things are left to fester, it becomes difficult to pick up the topic. So I think as, as soon as something does um, come up that needs to be addressed or a conversation needs to be had. I think it needs to be had and I think it needs to be clear and direct, you know, um, not ambiguous, not skirting around the edges. Um, and I think that is probably the, the key to, to being um, open and transparent with everybody and giving an opportunity to see, um, you know, what's, what's going on and, and hopefully address the, the issue. Um, because delaying it and deferring it does does nobody any favors, and it just creates an environment of, of angst and and um, um, and difficulties for everybody. And I think um, you know once you've had those conversations, I think you can say anything to anyone. You just have to look at how you say it. So um, it's not difficult to raise a topic. You just have to again raise it respectfully and and uh, empathetically but also be, be direct, be clear about what the issues are, what you want to talk about, why you want to talk about it. Never jump to conclusions. Always make sure you get, you know, the, the full story. Um, and then once, once you've reached that point, obviously you need to make some decisions about how to, how to progress. And I think, um, you know, developing a, a plan or an approach in collaboration with the people you're, you're dealing with is, uh, is always valuable because everybody needs an opportunity to, to, to bring their side of the story and, and to be able to um, address any, any issues that arise. And I think if, if you get to a point where that's not happening, I think another conversation is warranted about sharing observations about what you see and what you feel, why, um, why you feel that way. And, and again, looking for responses. And then uh, again, if you, you sort of don't get results after, you know, a couple of those conversations, then then I think the conversation becomes very different, and um, you really need to outline what your uh, requirements are, and if those can't be met, then I think um, yeah, you need to be very clear about what the alternatives are. Yeah, I think you unpack that really well, and I know it is uh, it's a it is the worst part of uh, of leadership, um, and that's why I think. I, I appreciate you letting me uh, sort of ask you that off the cuff and, and get your thoughts on that. Thank you. Sure. I think you meant to do it. Um, what about, uh, and I'm throwing a few here that you hear that aren't in the notes, Charlie. I don't know how much of a preparer you are. I apologize if you're a, a fastidious note reader, but two questions I wanted to throw. So uh, Charlie's getting uh, put on the deep end here. So that's a, interested in, a uh, morning routine. This is something that comes up a lot in terms of personal uh, sort of that that sort of idea of health and habits. Is there anything? Uh, do you have a tip or anything that you share about your morning routine? 
Look, I think routines are valuable, right? Um, they help us. Um, they help us structure our thoughts. They help us structure our activities. Um, and I think um, you know my routines have changed over time. There used to be uh, a time when I was able to to get up in the morning, go to the gym, get home, get prepared for work, and and uh, you know undertake my day. And then life happens, and um, you know kids come into the mix, and some of that stuff goes out the goes out the door. Um, but the routines, I think, um, you know, uh, uh, are, are remain important. So, for example, um, thinking about you know getting up in the morning, thinking about the day ahead, you know, taking the time to to spend with family, I think, is important because. Um, Let's face it; most of us don't get to see our families during the day while while we're working, and, um, and and approaching the day in a structured way. So I map out my day in my mind before before the day even starts. Once I've done that, I park that to the side. I um, I take some time with my family um, to find out what they're doing for the day, um, anything else that that needs to be tended to in in the family, and then when the working day starts, um, straight into that. And again reverse that routine in the evening again, spend some time with the family, catch up on the day that's been, and then think about what I'm doing the next day. So I'm constantly working on a list in my mind um, on where things are, are at. For me, I find that's that's the best way to keep structured, particularly when there's so many moving parts in, in my day. Yeah, great, uh, great answer. Thank you for that. And uh, last couple of questions. This can be a serious answer or something uh, fun that you enjoy for a movie or a TV show that's a favourite of yours or that's really influenced you. Um, look, I, I'd have to say I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of um, the Seinfeld series, even though that's uh, no longer uh, no longer being produced. But I think there's there's been a lot of classic moments, and I think you know a show about nothing is is um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a, I guess, a, of a mirror of life, right? We uh, we do a lot in our <laughs> life. Some of it is is about nothing, um, and um, and I, and I think the the other thing that we we sometimes miss is that, you know, when we are doing nothing, our subconscious is still working on, um, you know, problems that we've encountered during the day, during the week, whether you know, be it at work or at home. Um, so I think downtime is is valuable, and doing nothing sometimes is valuable because it just gives you that opportunity to to boost that subconscious. But um, yeah, I think so, so. Seinfeld, I think, got it uh, got it right in many ways. Yes. So I, I do enjoy a, a good Seinfeld laugh. <laughs> Any favourite Seinfeld moments? Because I love oh, Seinfeld. Too many as well. to mention. Too, too, too many to <laughs> mention. But um, yeah, look, I think the. Um, the uh, Kramer's uh, coffee table uh, coffee table book was, uh, was always <laughs> a <book. laughs> the coffee table the coffee table book about coffee, coffee table. table books or about coffee tables <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man that's so good I was just thinking of Festivus and I love um uh, yeah. I just love this idea I, we always joke about it with our friends about the um what is it like the uh, how you you express everything that um that uh, that you're really unhappy about that everyone's done oh, i can't remember how they put it in the show but that, that idea that everyone gets a chance to to share their um mis oh anyway any anyone who's never heard of it should seriously i to watch it which is it shows you a bit about my personality but i have a mate who loved it i didn't grow up on it so i knew it was amazing and i thought you know what i reckon if i just Force myself to really go through it and watch it. I'll, I'll end up, and so I did. I, I started with the most highly rated episodes on IMDb. Watched them. wasn't a big fan. Kept watching and then watched it all the way through. Um, I've watched it a few times through, and it's become one of my favorite shows just because the characters are, yeah. oh, they are just really hilarious. So, wonderful recommendation. Love it. Awesome. Last question. Okay, you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader. What would you say to them? Um, I would say, um, you know, apart from being um, empathetic and and um, you know mindful of the autonomy, mastery, and, and purpose that motivates and drives us, um, 
I would have to say, you know, a decision is better than no decision at all. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a few things in, in that. Um, I think if you, if you hesitate, if you, um, if you can't make a decision, um, it's, um, that can perpetuate throughout teams and throughout organizations and, um, and that can lead to things becoming stagnant and, um, and, and people having a, a loss of confidence or, or not having a feeling of, of, of direction. And look, we're, we're all human and we're not always going to get it 100% right, but you have to have the courage of your own convictions. You have to be able to read the landscape. You have to be able to um, identify with all the moving parts that, that you're dealing with. And you have to be able to um, be forthright in, in your decision making. So um, I would I would strongly suggest you know um, become comfortable with with making decisions you know be open to admitting when when you're wrong if you haven't got it right um, but yeah I think um, yeah making a decision rather than procrastinating is 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 key. Yeah, that's great advice. I was just thinking about that yesterday, that exact thing actually, and I think it's. Um... It, you know, particularly for some personalities who are indecisive, it's learning that a decision is better than no decision. And um, there's moments to listen to the room and, and really listen and, and hear, which comes up all the time on the podcast. But there's definitely moments where you just need to make a call, make a decision. And um, because that indecisiveness is not good when it flows through an organisation wonderful advice to, to land on for those who really enjoyed today where can people find you and connect with you on linkedin or twitter etc and also find out about fst absolutely linkedin um just google uh, freudenberg ceiling technologies and my name and, and you'll find me there i'm more than happy to connect with people and um and revisit any anything they've heard today or uh, any any other ideas that uh, they'd like to uh, like to talk about wonderful well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Such a great episode. Wonderful and stories, but also some Seinfeld moments, which uh, which makes any episode brighter for me because I love that show so much. Um, don't forget, I also have the Johnny White, the Leadership Question of the Day podcast. So you can go and check those out if you want to continue to grow in your leadership. I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Charlie, for being so generous with your time. Stories I just mentioned, and uh, it's such a joy to spend time with. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hello, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. Enjoyed my time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. 
and uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 